tangent, to break off suddenly from a line or train of thought and pursue another course. Webster's. Episode 20 of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. My name is Michael Bradley, and with me as always is my co-host, Sean Engel. How you doing, hey, Sean? I'm doing great. It's good to be talking about this uh, this run of uh, Tangent books. I'm looking forward to the Superman's Reign book, uh, especially from what I've seen from this first issue. Yeah. So if you are new to the podcast, and this is a show where we are going through books related to DC Comics Tangent Universe which is a universe that they launched in 1997 with a series of books featuring an entire new mythology and and backstory that used only the names of existing DC Comics properties. Now, this is actually a very exciting episode because it's the first episode of Season 3 of the show, where, as Sean just mentioned, we're going to be covering Superman's Reign, which is a 12-issue series that saw the Tangent Universe crossing over with the main DC Universe. And like Sean, I am very much looking forward to covering this. Um, Reading this first issue really brought back an excitement that I've been missing lately in my comic book reading. And, you know, just seeing the the two sets of characters together and starting off the story, it was was fun. And I'm really happy that we've decided to to keep the show going and cover this. Yeah, same here. Uh, This is unfortunately an era of uh, comic collecting that I'm not really – associated well with i know of it i know of what went on around this era but i really didn't collect comics at this time and getting to read the stuff at this getting to read this tangent run and getting to read superman's reign is a nice sort of introduction to the this era of the dc universe and there's there's some really good things in it and there are some things that you know a lot of people that we'll touch on that a lot of people have complaints about but overall for this first issue i'm really looking forward to what's going to be going on with the superman's rank book yep but before we get into that we've got a little bit of feedback to go through um first up is an email from listener russell bragg and this was sent um in early march so sorry russell it took so long to get to it but it was in response to episode 16 which was what was that uh 16 Episode 16. Oh, crap. I Would that be the Power Girl episode, maybe? Might be. Either Power Girl or the one right before that. I forget. Yeah. And we're, we're really good at this. But anyway, <laughs> Russell we're writes... Pro- we're professionals, yes. yes. <laughs> Russell writes, Hi, guys. Hooray! I'm all caught up. What? Wait a minute. Ah, oh, crap. Episode 17 is up. Oh, well. After this one, I'm caught up. 
I'm having fun learning about the Tangent Universe. I must confess, before I started listening, I was getting this storyline confused with Worlds Collide. I don't know why. Anyway, I'm enjoying. I want to thank Sean for helping me, helping me make the decision to buy the trades. I'd ask Michael too, but I guess he was off running a marathon or something. <laughs> Sorry, Russell, I, I must have missed your email or, or thought I replied and didn't. It, it happens more than you might think. Uh, but Russell's email continues... I have Volumes 1, 2, and 3, and hope to get the Superman ones in the near future. Consider me a blank slate. Teach me more. Teach me more. One thing, one more thing before I close with this email. Sean, I enjoyed your Australian accent. The only thing you didn't say... Wait. Oh, the only thing you didn't say crikey enough. Keep up the great work. <laughs> Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia host of the DC Comics Presents show. Well, thank you, Russell, for uh, appreciating my Australian accent. I'm hoping that uh, Matt, Matthew Epps doesn't, <laughs> uh, doesn't reach through the internet and slap me for butchering you know, his dialect as well. Uh, but uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And uh, if I ever do get an email from uh, Matthew again, I'll, I'll add more crikeys in there. <laughs> but after that, we've got... Uh, but um, I- I'm glad that he's enjoying that. Uh, I know I, I got the books... Uh, the single issues of the books, and I mm-hmm. thought that it might be a little more difficult to find the trades since some of them might be out of print and you probably couldn't find them on in stock trades or something, some purchasing site like that. But I guess Russell found them in back issues or back oh, issue of trades, so that's great to hear that he's reading along with this and enjoying the show. So, yeah. and and also uh, to to tell uh, about Russell's show, the DC Comics Present show. That's a fun show. I love listening to that. Uh, it's it's great to hear about Superman team ups with the various members of the DC universe. So, if you're not checking out that show, definitely do. You can't get enough Superman team ups. So, oh, not at all. Um, do we want to go ahead and go with the website review or the website yes. comment? Yes. All right. We have a website comment from our good friend Jadine. This one came in around March of uh, 2015. And Jadine writes in uh, saying, Power Girl is a character I really wished had another comic. Her journey to find herself and the way she was created could have filled at least a mini series at best and would have been really interesting to read. Or maybe I'm just a sucker for a sci fi mixed with genetic concepts. Would she have chosen her own path? rejected the government that created fully or just partially? Would she have ended up eventually with either America or Nightwing after everything in a really downer twist? Spoiler, Tangent Superman's reign answers that, sort of. Well, I guess we'll find out about that pretty soon. Hmm. Uh, Being the language nerd I am, I actually once tried to look for the Chinese characters placed on Power Girl's chest. The problem with Western artists, quote-unquote, drawing Asian characters, in my experience, is, is they don't take care to do at least them, do them at least correctly. So uh, it was hair-pulling in a sense. I initially thought it might have been her name in Chinese. Since English is the lingua franca, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right, of modern times, the Chinese government may have been trying to make her seem acceptable to the world or whatever. But it's not. There is, a world, there is a word related to her name, but it doesn't really say much. The Chinese writing that came closest to being similar was traditional Chinese, and she gives us a link here, since the simplified version of two of the three letters don't exist. The first letter only Superman knows, but the second letter is a verb. Uh, I, can't, I can't show you the symbol, but it's pronounced dong. So make your own little jokes about that, which means to move, set in, set in movement, or to alter. That's uh, I, I don't even want to think of the parallels there. The third letter should have been written Jean, Z-H-A-N. 
I'm hoping again I'm pronouncing that right, which is a noun meaning fight, war, or battle. Besides being the only letter semi-related to her name, as I said before, the letter used in her design is actually the way you would write it in Japanese. Oi. But it still means the same. Hooray for families of the same language tree. Yeah, I clearly have time to do this for comics because comics. <laughs> well, Janie, thank you for doing that kind of research. That's yeah. that's impressive. Yo, I, we were just going to look at it and say, oh, well, it looks like it's something in Japanese being that <laughs> – being that or Chinese, being that neither of us really know the language and how elaborate the the character design for them has to be to actually make a word. And I agree that you see a lot of if you ever look online, there are a lot of these tattoo fails that have people who have Chinese uh, language yeah. symbols tattooed to their bodies, meaning like hope or strength or something. But if you actually talk to someone who's an actual Chinese linguist or knows how to uh, correctly write the Chinese symbols, it can mean something completely different. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm glad that you took the effort to try and figure out what was going on with the Power Girl language on her on her uniform. That's really cool, JD. Yeah, it's one of the things I like about podcasting because we we know a lot, I guess, about the stuff we're talking about, or at least we're good at faking it, but there's just some stuff that we have no clue about, so it's good to have listeners write in and and be able to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit on stuff like that. Exactly, and that's that's what's great about the podcast community, because there is always someone, you know, the podcasting in general, I think, is kind of a nerdy or geeky subject that oh, people yeah. do, and so there's always people who have different a different variety of knowledge base to, to draw from. And I'm glad that we had Jadine right into the show and let us know about her who has a, has a love of languages and was able to give us some information about this. That really, really was kind of interesting. Yep. Thank you very much. But uh, I guess that's it. Do we want to knock it on the head for emails and everything right now? I and think go ahead. so. All right. Well, if we're ready, uh, I've got the synopsis this time for the first book. Are you ready for this? Okay. All right, we're going to go into Tangent, Superman's Reign number one. This one was cover dated May 2008 and released on March 19th of 2008. It had a cover price of $2.99 in the U.S., and the title was Tangent, Superman's Reign, chapter one. Simple enough. The writer was Dan Jurgens. The penciler was Matthew Clark. The inker was Jesse uh, Dolperdang. Letter was Steve Buenos. Uh, colorist Dom Reagan. Editor Nache Castro. And the cover art was by Carlos Pachinko and Jesus Marino. When life is good, ten years fly by. In prison, it's a lifetime. You're told when to sleep, eat, shower, exercise, whatever. The only freedom that exists is freedom of thought. But you're in the new era indoctrination program. You don't even have that. Ten years. I guess the joke was on me. These are the thoughts of Lori Lamaris, the heroine formerly known as the Joker, who is on her way to a probation terminal to check in with her enforcement officer. Before reaching the terminal, she offers up a few credits to a cloaked elderly woman, then checks in with her bureaucratic overseer, who asks if the book on the Joker is officially closed. Slam shut. Just like my life, she jokingly says thinking back to the time when she was on the side of right, doing the work of three heroes. But all that changed when he stepped in. When Superman made everything his own and wiped away all of the heroes. Further back on the street, the elderly woman is approached by a gentleman offering to take her to the nearest Universal Care Center, 
but the cloaked figure only once release, release from this fleshy prison. Rebuffing the old woman's remarks, the man walks away as the green cloaked figure walks towards a mausoleum. Meanwhile, in Keystone City, Wally West, better known as The Flash, is attempting to take down a multidimensional menace calling himself the Mirror Master. Flash says that Double M better have a good copyright lawyer because some other chuckle futz already has that name trademarked. And the Mirror Master retorts by opening up an alternate reality images of Flashes and releasing an evil speedster who goes to town on Wally. But luckily, Leah Nelson, the tangent Flash, emerges from one of the mirrors and zaps the Mirror Master, sending the evil speedster back to his reality. Leah introduces herself to the Flash and tells him that she's been trapped here for weeks and all she wants to do is go home. Remembering a strange encounter that Red Arrow and Black Canary had over in JLA 816, Wally mentions an old Chinese lantern that was a portal to Leah's universe that the JLA has at the Hall of Justice. In fact, Wally is willing to take her there, provided she can keep up. Of course, being made of light, Leah was already there by the time Wally had finished his sentence. Back on Earth-9, the cloaked figure is, of course, revealed to be the Tangent Green Lantern, who now lies down near the graves she frequented, begging for death to take her away from this place. But instead of death, she hears someone approach. Someone unseen. She tells the spectral form to forgo their mad plans, unless they want to die. Over at the Hall of Justice, Green Lantern John Stewart takes Leah and Wally to the storeroom where the Tangent Lantern is being held. The trio examine the lantern, wondering exactly how it works, while a universe away, the tangent green lantern feels a spark of her emerald energy. John says that his ring can scan the lantern, but he only gets back that the ring can't detect its origin or energies. And at the same time, the tangent green lantern calls for a talisman to return to her. And that it does, pulling Leah, Wally, and John along with it. Elsewhere in the Global Security Center, north of New Atlantis, two Firestorm Troopers are bemoaning the new environmental regulations put on cars, meaning that they'll have to give up their vacation time to upgrade to their new Ultra Prius. Thanks, Tangent Obama. <laughs> Luckily, their worries are short-lived, as one of the troopers is beheaded and the other one skewered to the chest by the sword of Manhunter. The avenging anarchist radios the Spectre and tells him to finish his mission while she holds a line against the oncoming Firestorm Troopers. Phasing through the walls, disabling security systems as he goes, the Spectre finally comes across the one thing he was searching for. The grotesquely shackled and electronically restrained body of the Atom. Very good synopsis, sir. Oh, uh, thank you. That was a that was a fun issue. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot. Uh, you know, it's the thing is, it's disturbing to find out how dark the tangent universe has gotten and they progress along in in the same time amount uh, from when the last series ended to when this story is picked up so it's been 10 years in our time and it's been 10 years in the tangent universe time so I thought that was kind of deep um, I, I thought the setting it 10 years after the other stories was a nice nod to the fact that it's been you know basically a decade since we've paid a visit to this world mm-hmm. I, I, I at the end of the I think we'd kind of discussed at the end of the second wave of the Tangent books, I was kind of wondering where they were going to go with the ultra-humanite storyline mm-hmm. because there wasn't really a specific resolution in that. And we had characters from Nightwing being missing. We didn't know what happened to the Secret Six. We saw the formation of the JLA, but we really didn't see them try and tackle the ultra-humanite. So 
that we see now this sort of dystopian world kind of run by the Superman in the Tangent Universe, it's a really good hook to sort of bring you into this story. What happened in that 10 years? How did Superman, you know, you knew Superman was this very powerful being. How did you do this and why? And what happened to all of these characters? Mm -hmm. It's a really good setup. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, this issue is pretty much all set up, but we've got 12 issues for a story, so that's not, you know, it's not a bad thing and, and kind of to be expected a little bit. Um, and plus, there, there's going to be so many characters in this series from two different universes, so introducing them slowly isn't a bad thing either. Yeah, and um, this doesn't feel like – the story didn't feel like a decompressed story. Even no. though we know this is going to be 12 issues, it doesn't feel like nothing really happened here. A lot of stuff happened in this issue. So it, it's it's not like the, the typical waiting for the trade decompressed storyline here. You're getting a lot of bang for your buck in this, in this comic. Yep. Uh, and I feel like it would be very accessible to someone who hadn't read the Tangent issues since they came out or possibly – had never read them. Mm. Um, if you if you hadn't read them, a little more information on the tangent characters probably would have helped. But at the same time, there is the backup series we're going to be talking about later on in the show. So, you know, and, and if you hadn't read those books, this might not appeal to you anyway. So, yeah, well, it's it's got the main characters from the DC universe, from the JLA, interacting with these different characters from the tangent universe. So essentially. It's very much akin to those sort of crossover JSA, JLA adventures that they had back in the Silver and Bronze Age. Right. So uh, it, it it really kind of makes me nostalgic for that. Um, it's got some it's got some dark moments. Uh, like I said, there's uh, the bit at the end with the Atom that kind of feels kind of akin to what Frank Miller kind of did in The Dark Knight Strikes Back with The Flash. Um, I'm wondering if that's that's kind of what's going on with him, but I, I that's something we can talk about more when we get into the specific notes for the book. All right. Well, you want to go ahead and take a break? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Right. We'll be right back. I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am back. You need to take the trash out. Hey, I'm trying to make a trailer for a podcast. Oh, you mean Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast? Why, yes, that is what I mean. The show where you and I discuss all things geeky. Comics, TV, movies, books, you name it. Well, are you going to tell them that you can find the show at www.supermatescomic.blogspot.com? Well, I think you kind of already did. And that new shows will be posted bi-weekly every two weeks? I was, but you just kind of did that too. Well, see, now you can go take out the trash. Great. So join us, Cindy. And Chris. Franklin. For the Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast at supermatescomic.blogspot.com. Calabac, Tassad, it is I, Darkseid. I command you to listen to the Who's Who podcast. Uncover the powers and weaknesses of the Super Friends so that I may destroy them. Aquaman and Superman, Animal Man and Plastic Man, Firestorm and Nuclear Man, Batman and Hawkman, 2D Man and Hour Man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? Ultra Boy and Booster Gold, Lightning Lass and Hippolyta, Phantom Stranger, Ditrick and Arisia and Woozy Winks. Hey, hey, hey. What? What about that one guy? What guy? Mr. Pretzel, Mr. Lipstick... 
Mr. Mitzelfuzzle? Mr. Mitzi's Pitlick? Yeah, him. He's also part of the DC Who's Who. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available monthly at Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan, and on iTunes and Stitcher as part of the Fire and Water Podcast. I'm breaking in, shaping up, then checking out on the prison bus. All right, this we are back. So do we want to go ahead and start uh, the book off and check out the cover? Yes, I really like this cover. Mm-hmm. I, I think both characters look great, and I like that they... Uh, excuse me. I like that they echoed Ryan Hughes' design work from the original Waves, and I also like that, you know, it's it's the Flash of two worlds essentially. It's not a direct homage to the cover of Flash number one twenty three, but there's sort of that allusion to it, even if it wasn't necessarily intentional. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that, and I think this is, you know, sadly I'm going to have to say this is probably the best Leah looks in the books. I'm um, I'm not too keen on Matthew Clark's art work mm-hmm. in the book but th- this really looks great yeah the the cover design is exactly like ryan hughes put forth in the first two runs of the tangent book you've even got the logo up there in the upper left hand corner i like the fact that both the characters on here the flashes are always the characters that i think have the most fun with their abilities and i like the fact that you see both of them smiling on this cover it, yes. it's oh, it's yeah. a really nice it, it 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 gives you the it kind of belies the sort of darkness that's going to we're going to be seeing within the book because you've got such a bright ebullient cover here and then you get into the meat of the story and it's the tangent universe has gone really oh, heck yeah that's gone off the rails yeah um moving into the book uh my my first note is in the, the – this is a nice little subtle thing that they did in the book. In the upper left-hand corner up here, you see the number nine, mm-hmm. and this is a way that they're able to visually tell you where this is going on. I guess initially they designated the Tangent Universe as Earth-97, and then it sort of got retconned to Earth-9 once the whole uh, – infinite crisis thing happened and we had the sort of reformation of the multiverse yeah if if i'm not you know i I, unfortunately i haven't read infinite crisis i know of it but i i couldn't tell you what went on in it yeah i i I talked more about this in that post that i made on the website that Mm -hmm. documented the minor appearances between the second wave and, and this but basically what happened is the the multiverse was brought back in infinite crisis and there, the tangent or the tangent Earth was uh, designated ninety-seven, but then that multiverse went away, and they brought a second multiverse in at the end of fifty-two, and that's the one we're dealing with now. And in that multiverse, the tangent Earth was designated Earth nine. Okay, so but this is a nice little subtle way of telling you where you actually are in yeah. the comic. So I, I like that they put it in there, and and but. You look at this and things have gotten bleak, and I think it's the the way that they're framing it with in New Atlantis, with everything being dark and rainy and everything. <laughs> it's it's a great way to uh, to show that things have turned bad in the Tangier universe. In the shadow, is back there in it's, the background. Oh yeah, that is the shadow. <laughs> I, you know, I, I've got a comment on one of the characters that we see, uh, and one of the little things that he has, one of his accoutrements, but we'll get to that in a couple of pages. Okay. Um, obviously, on page two, the uh, elderly person in the green cloak 
if if you didn't know that was the Green Lantern, you know you haven't been reading this comic at all, but you you haven't been following along. And but we also find out that the person who's going to this sort of communication terminal to basically check in with her parole officer is Lori Lamaris, who was one of the characters who was the Joker, mm-hmm. and there's there's this wonderful buildup of okay we know Green Lantern has aged and she doesn't have her lantern with her we know Lori Lamaris is no longer the Joker in fact she's having to go to her parole officer it's it's just it's setting up a really interesting idea for what's happened in the Tangent Universe and I'm really enjoying it yeah and I like the way they introduce Lori too um, with her identity being revealed through the dialogue you know it wasn't the narration I'm Lori Lamaris mm-hmm. life is good 10 years fly by you know it was it was a more subtle way to do it through the dialogue which I really liked mm-hmm. um, page 3 I, I like the artwork on the Joker I think Matt Clark does a good work on her uh, her design is uh, well now that I'm looking at it she does kind of have that broke back design mm-hmm but you know that's not atypical for comics of this era. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a little confused. Are, are they glossing over her three ident- her three identities? No, did- because I th- I think she said that uh, somewhere in here that she used to do the job of three. Uh, you know, uh, she did the work on. In fact, the middle panel she says she did the work of three heroes after all, referring to the Joker. So that kind of leads you to believe that something happened to uh, Mary Marvel and Madame Xanadu. Okay. That maybe maybe something happened with Superman and who knows. I think we'll find out later about at least one of them because you know, well, spoilers, we read ahead a little bit. <laughs> but it's it's an interesting it, it it is an interesting catch. There were three people who were the Joker. Now there's only one supposed survivor that that it even builds on that sort of ominous feel of this of this universe. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. I was going to say part of the fun of covering this series is that I read it when it came out, but I haven't looked at it since. So in a lot of ways, I'm looking at it again for the first time. So a lot of little things like that are, are going to be as surprising to me as they are to you, who has never read the series. So, mm-hmm. well, that's cool. We'll, we'll we'll have to discuss you know. You know how you felt about it then, maybe how you felt about it then versus how you feel about it now. Whether your opinions on certain things have changed, that'll be cool. Then um, the next page, we get the very Orwellian oh, yeah. Big Brother, you know, just Superman billboard. That's the the, it, that, the Orwellian. I think is the only word that I think could be used to describe this. This is very overseer. Mm-hmm. Uh, disturbing that the something you know it's and again i don't want to harken back to the frank miller dark knight strikes again or strikes back or whatever it was the sequel the dark knight returns but this was kind of what happened or what would have happened at the end of that because at the end of that book i think superman basically said i'm going to essentially rule over earth mm. and if i remember that did you ever read that i, I did not but uh, don't don't go rush out to try and meet it. It's it's not all that great, but uh, yeah, I think at the end of that, Superman basically said, "You know, I'm going to try and rule Earth in, in a benevolent way." And I'm wondering if the Superman of the Tangent Universe kind of did the same thing. Could be. Mm. 
My next note's not until page six. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think. My note is on – next note is on the page five. Unfortunately, these pages aren't numbered. Right. So um, the guy who comes up and talks to the Green Lantern, mm-hmm. he has a strange little symbol on his hat. Now, I'm not certain if that's supposed to mean anything. You know, because, I noticed that. Because I know throughout the, the first couple of runs of the books, we were always looking for people who had the Nightwing symbol on their uh, – you know, on like their brooch or a pin or something like that. And I'm wondering, since this character's facial design looks very distinct and he actually has speaking role, whether this is supposed to be someone that we should know about or something like that. But it's it's just seen in here and it's got a little thing and it just makes me wonder if there might be something specific about that little symbol on his hat. Could be. Put a pin in that. And okay. We'll, and we'll talk about it next episode. All right. Because I had a similar thought, and I, I didn't make a note about it, but now that you've brought it up, there might be something to it. So, okay. Yeah. Um, page six, a fun little action scene with the Flash, and like I said with the cover, I like the nod to the Flash of Two Worlds by kicking things off with a meeting of the two Flashes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a really dynamic, and I, I like that we're getting a sort of an expanded look at some of the characters from the Tangent Universe, because supposedly this Mirror Master is the Tangent Mirror Master, if I'm guessing right. Is he? I don't think, uh, it, you know, because he says, because Wally says, you know, we've already got a, a trademark Mirror Master name here, so I'm assuming that he's a, a different type of Mirror Master, or he's a hmm. Mirror Master from a parallel universe, possibly. Hmm. I just assumed he was somebody else on Earth-1 taking up the mantle, like they've had several... That could a be A couple different well. Captain Boomerangs, and a couple different Flashes, and... That, that, but that, that could be as well. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised about that. Hmm. Um, I, I like the artwork here. Uh, it's nice to see Wally in the book. That's always yeah. fun. Um, my next note's on page eight where uh, Leah actually comes out of the mirror. <sighs> uh, yeah. her, her, her face and hair, she looks more like Bette Midler than she does <laughs> like Alicia Silverstone. You know, uh, yeah. and it's, I mean, the artwork's not bad. Thankfully, her costume is a lot less revealing than when we saw it uh, in the JLA issue. But her her face and uh, her her look just looks different. Like I said, Bette Midler versus Alicia Silverstone. So I really didn't have a bad reaction to it, I think, because I was just so relieved she looked better than in the Justice League issue. <laughs> yeah, that, but. that was kind of... That kind of was kind of awful, but uh, yeah, it's it's nice to see these two flashes together, and it's it's nice that they both have a bit of quippage between each other. I like yeah. I like the way Wally handles himself uh, along with Leah. They're both kind of youthful characters, and it's fun to see them interacting. Yeah, it amused me how he was kind of flirting with her, and and then um, basically basically gets shown up. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, on that page where he goes, uh, "Oh, I'll be glad to lead the way if you can keep up," and then she's like already there (laughs) um i don't know how wally knew about leah though because red arrow and black canary didn't even know she'd been pulled to this world did they uh no i don't think they even encountered her no you know the only one that they encountered in that uh that jla's number 16 was the atom right she just appeared sort of standing on the rooftop uh looking down at them but she has said that she's been here for a couple of weeks so maybe that's the no prize explanation that she they may have encountered her prior to this so maybe i don't know no, comics, well. <laughs> comics. 
Uh, page 10. It, it was good to see that the loss of the lantern had actual ramifications for the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. But I'm still really interested in knowing how she lost the lantern. And I, I hope that's something we get more details on over the course of the series. Yeah, whether it was taken away from uh-huh. her or whether it left on its own accord. Because this Green Lantern in the Tangent Universe seems to have a sort of mind of its own and it it's not something that the green lantern character of the tangent universe can actually wield and use she's just sort of an avatar of it and it takes her to where she needs to go right um let's see page 12 is the next one that i have that's uh where uh there are the three characters the flashes and green lantern are talking i love the fact that Wally brings up, or that uh, that John brings up, the cosmic treadmill. I always, <laughs> I always enjoy the the silly sort of Silver Age goofiness of that. That that the Flash can run really fast on a treadmill and right. travel through time. Travel through time. I am glad they've decided to stop storing this ultra powerful device, though uh, the the lantern in a storage locker. And actually keeping it, you know, in a more secure location now. Now, at this time, were you reading, uh, like, JLA or comics around this time? Uh, I was reading comics. I don't remember if I was reading JLA or not. Do you know? If I knew what was coming out at this point, I could tell you, but... Okay. Well, because the place that they are at is obviously, like, the Super Friends version of the hall of justice mm-hmm. was that something that they sort of instituted around this time you know i want to say around in the didio jeff johns era of uh you know post infinite crisis yes okay yes they set up the i don't think they were calling it the hall of justice but basically that's what it was yeah well you, you, you if you look at it on that that one page mm-hmm. i think prior to this it is definitely a swipe from the super oh, yeah. hall of justice yeah yeah visually it looks like that i'm just saying i don't think they were actually calling it that in the book okay but but yeah let's see i don't have any uh comments until we get to the uh, manhunter part um yeah same here um i i i I laughed at the green team reference um on in in the opening of that scene of the uh yeah it's it's interesting that the green team on the uh tangent universe is like the very ecologically minded (laughs) You know, yeah. making sure that everyone drives hybrid cars and stuff. And yes, yes, I'm sorry. I made a, a, a hybrid Ultra Prius Obama <laughs> joke. I apologize. Please, please don't send the IRS after me. I already had to pay a boatload to them this year. So just stop. But I will say on this page, I am. This, this is kind of how you tell that comics have gotten a bit more graphic or darker yeah. because – it's not that I'm uncomfortable about it, and it's not too over that. Well, uh, that fourth that fourth panel, yeah, where the part of the guy's going Richie, and we see we see like the guy with the geyser of blood shooting out of his head. I mean, not not that I'm a prude because I enjoy your your average horror film as much as anyone else, but. Sometimes I don't think I really need to see this in comics. I wish they right. could show a bit of restraint. They don't they don't have to show me the gore and violence to let me know that it's happening. It, they could silhouette it. They could have silhouetted this and made it just as impactful mm-hmm. rather than having to go for the gore angle, but you know, I think that's just part of the era of this. So yeah. we could complain about it all well, we need to. DC at this point 
was trying to be more quote unquote adult, and their version of adult was gore and violence and boobies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's and I think we've talked about this before. The difference yeah. between being mature and being adult. Right. Being mature means you can tell uh, interesting stories with ramifications and such, and being adult means boobies and blood. Right. So, and but unfortunately, it, we've got this kind of here. Right. But it was good to see Manhunter, Man, excuse me, Manhunter and Pooch again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, even though Manhunter does look a more extreme version of herself, and Pooch too, you know, uh, I think she looks good. Oh yeah, that that one panel there, the uh, the side, she looks she looks she doesn't look nineties ass. She doesn't have too many pouches, which is nice, but she looks imposing. I mm-hmm. like I Definitely. like the figure work on her. And uh, I was going to say, even on the next page, the Spectre coming out of the wall there. I think this. I think Matt Clark does a good job drawing the Spectre. I think he looks really, really impressive on yes. this. Um, and, and it seems there's, there's more detail to his costume than when we saw him in the uh, Secret Six issue. Yeah, he, his his side, the sides of his costume have some some of that ribbing that you saw that I'm currently seeing as I'm covering over on just one of the guys with the Green Lantern. Costume. <laughs> But I, you know, I like it. I think I think it's a good look for him. I think uh, Clark does a good job of drawing him. Mm-hmm. But then we get the the final page. I guess page dun, seventeen, dun, dun. and the atoms hooked up to this weird uh, bioelectronic thing that's monitoring his brain. He's got his some sort of probe stuck into mm-hmm. his chest, and he's it, all he's all emaciated and like it's draining the energy from him or something it, too. And that's that's kind of why I. Uh, related to the dark knight strikes again because what was happening in that was i guess the government or whoever was in control of that it's been so long since i read it had put the flash essentially in a giant ball which he just kept he was forced to keep running and running around in Hmm. that created electricity to power a bunch of cities so they're basically using the flash to to solve the energy crisis. Huh. And uh, I think Batman went in there and freed him and the Flash came out and helped him take down Superman or something. And I don't know. It was all Frank Millery. <laughs> but, Enough said. Yes, exactly. But yeah, it, this this is a nice cliffhanger ending, especially because the Atom, essentially, after Superman, was the most powerful person in the Tangier universe. And they've got him strapped down to this weird machinery just draining his energy what is going on it's it's a good good cliffhanger yeah. and, and even i mean we can assume it was the superman but you know who captured him and why they're holding him is is also questions out there so yeah that's true we we don't know if specifically superman if there's nightwing that could be involved as well there's the dark circle meridian. there's meridian there's tons of different organizations that we don't know what could have happened, and uh, it it wants you. It's one of those endings that makes you want to read the next issue. Definitely, so definitely. good on this one. But then after that, we've got a, a little three three page or four page uh, follow up, which uh, gives a sort of history lesson, and uh, it's called it's called History Lesson Chapter One, obviously. And this little backup story was written by Ron Mars. It was penciled by Fernando Pasarin. Yeah, Pissarin, uh, inked by Jesse Delperdang, colored by Canilla Tripp, uh, lettered by Steve Buenos, and edited by Nachi Castro. And it goes like this. Aside a fountain dedicated to Superman, a lone nerd is, sits busily typing on his laptop until a woman in a black suit sits down by him and asks him to prove himself. 
Thankfully, this isn't the opening of scene to one of those random people have sex in public videos that I swear I don't watch ever at all. Never. Actually, the nerdy guy starts relating the history of the tangent heroes, starting with the original Adam, Arthur Harrison Thompson, who was experimented on by our government by being given massive doses of radiation. Luckily, Thompson survived and was gifted with powers on the atomic level. This led to President Kennedy forming covert agency Nightwing, which was tasked with monitoring these new paranormals, such as Booster Gold, Dr. Midnight, and Captain Comet. Nightwing also secretly funneled funds into developing technology in an attempt to defeat the Soviets, leading to the exploration of the moon and space. Of course, the Nightwing technology also allowed the organization to monitor the masses it purported to help. Eventually, the Atom, who had taken up residence on the moon, had a son who was eventually killed by a group of villains called the Fatal Five. But his death led to a resurgence of heroes, including the third-generation Atom, the Flash, Batman, Wonder Woman, the Sea Devils, Power Girl, the Secret Six, and of course, Superman. Pleased with this completeness, the woman rises and tells the young man to follow her. And like like it says in the title, this is a nice little history lesson that will bring you up to speed of what's going on in the Tangent Universe. Kind of synopsizes the Adam issue in the uh, first run of the Tangent books. Yeah. Um, I really like the idea of putting all this history stuff into its own backup series because it gives us a nice overview of the history of the Tangent Universe, which you know we were able to piece together pretty well reading the books. But for anyone who hadn't read those since they came out or, or not read them at all, it's a good – refresher and, and recap and it lets them go into so much more detail than they could ever do in the main series without bogging down the main series with a lot of backstory because I, I feel like we're already going to get a lot of that in the main series so it's, it's good that they kind of shuffled all this to a backup yeah and just having a simple little three page backup to give you an idea of what's going on and Mars does a good job of storytelling at yeah. synopsizing everything and cutting it down to as essential and giving you the idea of who these characters were and what their motivations were. The only sort of niggling thing that I had about this is we get on the second page of it and that third panel, one of the characters was named Booster Gold. Mm, yeah. And if I remember, Booster Gold was sort of that capitalist uh, playboy that uh, shot Lori Lamaris. Mm-hmm. Or no, shot Lois Lane, Lois Lane right. in the uh, in the uh, Green Lantern book in that first story in the Green Lantern book. So I don't know if that's the same character, or it could also mean that that story in the Green Lantern uh, origin story wasn't necessarily the true one. True, but I like seeing we, in that same panel here we get uh, a Doctor Midnight. So it's it's just good seeing more characters in the Tangent Universe, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, it it also talks a little bit about the, the Metal Man and the Fatal Five that we saw in the Atom book. It uh, mentions Ferris Aircraft or Ferris, Ferris Spacecraft, which okay. you know, obviously had some sort of uh, uh, development into space and colonizing the moon and everything. So it's an interesting little – and it, the splash page of uh, all the heroes running out at everyone is, is – a, it's a nice splash as well. Oh, right. Ferris uh... – <laughs> Ferris spacecraft began regular travel between Earth and the Moon colony with its Guardians of the Universe fleet of ships. <laughs> uh, but yes, but, uh, sorry, I, I totally ignored your point. Yes, the splash page there is, is great with all the tangent heroes running towards the, the camera. 
Yeah, and it's it's nice that the, the Sea Devils get a little love. I mean, we weren't completely, you know, kind to the Sea Devils, right. but it's nice to see that in in the ten years, hopefully, that they were in some way since essentially the Sea Devils, I think, are getting sort of the Aquaman treatment. Sadly, you know, they're getting sort of shunted away and yeah. you know looked down on when essentially, you know, they technically rule what seventy percent of the planet. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like we, we, you and I have kind of come to respect the Sea Devils a little more than what the episode we covered them in would necessarily. Yeah, I think I think I think over time that we kind of understood that they had their importance in there, and it's initially looking at the book. Yeah, it just didn't feel, and I think it's because it was settled in right after we had such great issues of uh, the Atom and the Metal Man that we got this sort of substandard one. And it's really not substandard, you know, compared to the general glut of comic books. It was just substandard to the really excellent ones that came out in the tangent line. Right. But, uh, you know, it ends with this uh, woman and this geeky guy running away to do more history lessons which i think i think this is a really good idea for people who aren't completely certain what's going on in, in the superman's reign book to have this little three page four page backstory to help them get up to speed with everything mm-hmm. and like i said without bogging down the main series oh yes with, with just panel after panel of history so yeah there, there's no need for someone to say i'm the flash this is my origin this is what happened with me uh i'm the green lantern blah 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 so yeah it it's it, it definitely helps out the the pacing of the story but that's that's really all i have do you have anything else for this no i think we've covered it well this is great well next time out we're going to be taking a look at obviously issue two of tangent superman's reign uh and this one has a cover of uh the two green lanterns this time so Ooh. i i should be looking forward to that but um, I guess with that being it, oh. uh, yes. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say. Well, I guess with that being it, are we ready to close this up? I think so. Okay. Well, we'd like to thank everyone for downloading the show. We'd like to thank everyone for writing in. Thank you, Jadine. Thank you, Russell. If you'd like to write into the show, it's tangent at greatcrypton.com, or you can leave a comment on the posting at greatcrypton.com. We always love to read that stuff. We w- love your feedback. Uh, keep downloading the show. Keep writing iTunes reviews, and keep listening to Parallel Lines, the DC comics tangent universe podcast we'll catch you next time bye just finished listening to Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast, hosted by me, Michael Bradley, and me, Sean Ingle. The show can be downloaded from a variety of places, most notably Michael's website, greatcrypton.com, where you can find show notes, cover images, and a section for leaving comments about the episodes. It also can be found on iTunes by searching for Parallel Lines. And if you happen to use iTunes, please take some time out to leave a review maybe even a five-star one. 
Every review helps more people find out about the show. The show is also on Facebook, where you can like us and get updates when new shows are posted. Plus, images, plot elements, and general discussion about the books can be found there as well. Want to send feedback about the episode? Send us an email at tangent at greatcrypton.com. All feedback is warmly welcomed, and we will definitely read your comments on the show. When Michael and I aren't doing shows about alternate DC Comics history, we're busy doing tons of other geeky stuff on the internet. For instance, Michael does a podcast about Superman and Batman team-ups, cleverly titled Superman and Batman. And Sean hosts a number of podcasts, including Just One of the Guys, Walking Dead Wednesday, The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Listen to the Prophets, and Who True Freaks. And all of these shows can be found over at twotruefreaks.com. Speaking of Two True Freaks, if you ever feel like making a purchase from Amazon.com, please use the Amazon link at twotruefreaks.com. After clicking the link, any purchase you make at Amazon will shoot a percentage of money back to the Two True Freaks website. It won't cost you anything extra, but it really helps out a great bunch of podcasters. Thanks for downloading and listening, and come back next time for another episode of Parallel Lines, the DC Comics Tangent Universe podcast. Because in the Tangent Universe, you only know the names. Special thanks to Emily Middleton for providing this episode's intro. Emily is host of Uncovering the Bronze Age and co-host of the Shortbox Showcase. Be sure to check out these and all the shows on the Relatively Geeky Network at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com.